The following is an archive podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled Hallmark Presents Tales of Christmas. We're Christmas Crazy. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode what would you one. Do if I came down your chimney, crept to your bed and kissed you nimbly. I hope you like to party in Sim- the family. Having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. That's a great one. That's a great one. That's I love that's a great that one. one. One of the best ones. It's tied for my favorite. Oh, we're going. Oh, shh, shh, shh. shh. We're going. Well, he started it. Okay. Red lights on. What's that smell? Can you smell it? It must be fresh baked Christmas cookies wafting their scent out of the Christmas oven. And what's that sight? Can you see it? Why, it must be old St. Nick flying overhead with his magical reindeer to deliver Christmas cheer to the boys and girls in all of Christendom. And while we're at it, what's that sound? Can you hear it? Oh, never mind. It's actually just the sound of the jingle bells on those reindeer, which we just discussed. Okay, well, what's that taste? Can you taste it? It must be the taste of Christmas cookies, which actually I guess we already covered those too. All right, well, how about this? What's that feeling? Why, it must be that Christmas feeling. That feeling of Jack Frost nipping at your nose. The joy of seeing all the oak trees outside being violently uprooted and replaced with classic Christmas trees covered in snow. My name is Danny Elfman Jr. And this is Hallmark Presents Tales of Christmas. We're Christmas Crazy. A show where we share some of our favorite stories of Christmas time. And hey... Who's that guest? Can you hear him? Actually, there's two of them. Today, I'm joined by Pete Sugarbread and Douglas Fur. Pete, how are you feeling during this magical season? Well, as you can hear at the beginning of this whole thing, uh-huh. if they keep it, <laughs> I am simply having a wonderful Christmas time. How are you boys feeling? Feeling good. Oh, I'm, I'm doing... I couldn't feel better. Yeah, Douglas, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's the most wonderful time of the year, you know. I Hey, listen, I'd love for it to snow, but, you know, fingers crossed. That's the only thing that could make this better. I think the thing that would make this better is probably Frank Sinatra singing about walking in a winter wonderland right here in front of us. His song but, Jingle uh, Bell Rock. I don't even know if Santa Claus can make that one happen. <laughs> I believe Santa can animate the dead in certain situations. If it would bring more Christmas cheer, I don't see why not. Oh, stop. Well, shall we get to it? I guess we shall. Uh, Maybe uh, for those of you who are certainly in the mood for Christmas time, but not quite sure who we are, maybe we should clarify for the listeners just what we're doing here, what our background is, and what makes us qualified to talk about the most wonderful time of the year. Pete, how'd you get mixed up in all this? Well, I am an author, first and foremost. I am known for my New York Times bestseller, The Big Book of Christmas, which is a 2,000-page tome on all things Christmas, stories, tales, myths, folklore, And a little bit of wisdom, some musings, songs, hymns. Basically, if it's about Christmas, it's in this book. And I've been actually known to be a Christmas advisor to two presidents. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, yes. And um, I'm very proud. But, you know, it's not just about me. Christmas is for everybody. And people need to realize that it's not just for Christians. You know, that's kind of an old thing. I mean, it is based, you know, within Christianity and religion, sure enough, but it is now a secular, secular holiday that is mostly rooted in the wonderful ways that we consume it. And I can tell you that if you're Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, or Baha'i, I'm going to tell you Merry Christmas And I don't mean it in a mean way or anything. I'm just telling you that, you know, hey, come along. Let's have a snowball fight. Let's have some chocolates. A lot of people don't realize that Santa is a universal Unitarian. So he's kind of into that, you know? Well, even in the Baha'i faith, Santa is right up there with Muhammad and John Smith. I would say he's probably above the two. Well, you know how the Baha'i are with their religious hierarchies. 
uh, Danny, tell us, what got you here? What's your well, background? Well, you know, I, I am a uh, writer for the Hallmark Channel, of course. They do wonderful Christmas films. Um, so, you know, they're the also... The best they were Christmas nice enough, films. They were nice enough to sponsor this podcast for us as well. And, uh, you know, I've been writing... You know, just pretty much straight out of college, uh, just miraculously, I got a job in the entertainment industry. It wasn't anything to do with uh, my family. It's just kind of like my that kind of skill. They Hallmark Channel saw that skill in me real young. Oh, who's your family? Um, um, just my dad and my mom is my family. I mean, nobody really significant. Um, oh, you said it like it was but, significant. I'm sorry. No, I did this on my own merits is the thing, but... Now, you know, ever since then, I've just been writing Christmas movies pretty much all the time for Hallmark. Um, you know, since I've written so many of them today, I brought maybe some of my more experimental ideas that they have kind of turned down to be Hallmark movies. But they were like, well, maybe you can just say them on the podcast, you know? Well, that sounds... So I'm excited to share those. that. That sounds great. Um, I, myself, my name is Douglas Fur. I am the former mayor of Kringleton. Uh, formerly uh, named Smithville in Minnesota. Um, I became mayor. I changed the name, and I I, I passed the first law uh, that said every single day is Christmas Day. And it was great. <laughs> Have every day, we got rid of all the calendars. We would just put up, you know, December 25th, and then whatever, like, year it was. And it, every day was Christmas. And the town, well, the town folded. Everybody moved. Uh, you know, we weren't able to get much done because the bank was never open. So a little bit of a logistics problem with that, but I have no regrets. It's a ghost town now. I mean, what does it effectively mean if every day is Christmas Day? It just seems like you would have a super Christmas once every 365 days. And then normal Christmases would just become like every day. People just get kind of numb to it, I guess. Well, I did make $800,000 on a GoFundMe um, when people said this man is defending Christmas. And I had no idea what they were talking about. But, you know, you see the numbers go up and you're like, hey, I, you know, I guess I'm the Christmas mayor now. <laughs> well, that's just delightful. I love to hear. I might, I might write that movie for Hallmark someday, The Christmas Mayor. Hey, you know what? That'd be a good idea to me. Please tell me you wore a top hat in this position. Of course you wear a top hat with a little red and green trim. And tell me, did your facial hair look like that of old St. Nicholas himself? Oh, I would never try to take that man's thunder. I simply had a standard mayor type of facial hair. Uh, as you know, a swirly mustache. <sighs> Delightful. And instead of having a normal black cane, I, I had a candy cane. Well, it wasn't a ca it oh. wasn't a candy. It wasn't made out of candy. It was painted a like a candy cane. Oh sure, oh sure. That's that's fun. It though. was, it's it very, was fun. very fun. I, I could I could picture a Lego set based off of you that the kids would love. Well, yeah, it'd be great. I could picture. I I could just picture. I could. Uh, um, Danny, you could picture. You could picture Douglas here as a Lego oh. guy, right? Oh, of course. Trust me. It kind of looks like he's kind of stocky. Like I a was Lego very guy. familiar with the toy store there in Kringleton. They did very well. It was very hard on the parents having to buy gifts every day, but it was very good for the to for the for some small businesses. Well, there some people said that you uh, insisted that a million dollar budget for a miniature train system in the town was necessary. And if I'm going to be honest, I don't think that's enough money. I think they're being ridiculous denying it. Well, it's necessary to have simply having a wonderful Christmas time. It is absolutely necessary i'm so happy that we all gathered here today and finally a place where we can just unapologetically talk about how much we love christmas boys the what fire is roaring we have chestnuts popping on there the windows here are covered in frost personally christened by jack frost himself Ooh, you must have paid top dollar on ebay to get that well i have a blown on i know jack a guy frost. i know a guy and the guy is actually jack frost that i know he's a good friend oh, oh wow yeah tell Did he him give you a certificate of authenticity with that window why don't you tell him to stop nipping at my nose huh why don't you tell him to do that huh? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. i mean that's kind of his job is it not and uh check out the window there guys i hired a vagrant and he is going to peek in on us the whole night. 
Ooh, a Christmas he's got the fingerless gloves. Like he's got a dirty face, and he's pressed his nose against the frosty window, staring at our big Christmas dinner, mm-hmm. just wanting some of that pie. Oh yeah. You know, there's some who say that Jesus was the first Christmas vagrant when he was in the womb without a home and getting turned away from all those uh, hotels and shit. <laughs> this man outside was not unlike Jesus himself. Well, that's it my... It could be him in disguise. That is... Yes, a poor and haggard 30-something. Well, I couldn't get a real vagrant. That's my... That's well, my... He, looks like, he looks like the kidnapper from Dennis the Menace, but he could be Jesus. Well, that's my nephew. That's my nephew, Stanley. In Kringleton, we called oh. him the Christmas nephew. All right. Because of his connections well, okay to the too. mayor. He's not a real vagrant, even though he is unemployed. So you're telling me he's not sleeping on the street like Jesus had to? Well, no, I don't even think um, vagrants would be sleeping on the street. Um, I think they'd find... They'd find a manger or something like that. Or a crevice or... I'm not a... You know, I'm a Christmas expert. I'm not a, uh, you know, housing expert, so... I think they could make them some nice Christmas tents. Maybe like a Christmas wigwam. Wouldn't that be nice? That could be a new tradition. What if it smelled like candy canes in there all the time? Mm. What, do, what do candy canes smell or, like? Or it could, or how about this? It could smell like cinnamon Ooh. or, or uh, a fur. Wow. Maybe a nice evergreen. Ooh. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe some juniper. Could smell like juniper. Hey, fellas, why don't we break this down once and for all? This is the, a debate. Tale as old as time, or at least the 1950s, I believe. Uh, real tree or plastic? I mean, is it okay to have a fake tree? Well, I, um, I like. I'm a real tree guy, and um, you know, some people don't like the mess. I'll say I have a unique experience with it. In Kringleton, we were going through a lot of trees, clear-cut a lot of the surrounding area. <laughs> um, well, your biggest export was Christmas trees. You had those Christmas farms. Well, yeah, we had the Christmas farms. That's kind of why I ran to be the mayor of Kringleton. I'm like, we're going to have this. And then you had that big lawsuit where you had all those uh, legal laborers working on them. Right. Yeah, and then everyone have anyone started yeah. cutting down trees in their backyard and, and, and the river's right there. So then there was a soil er- uh, you know, erosion problem that was kind of uh, dirtying up and mucking up the waters a little bit there because there was nothing really, you know, because we clear cut. Like well, there's basically a, a dam formed from down to, from ev- after the Christmas was over. Everyone would just toss the Christmas trees into the river, and, and it I'm, made this and huge, I was telling everybody. a man a man made beaver dam, which was honestly kind of cool. I was but telling I mean, a, man, a man can't be a beaver. Hold on to those trees as long as you can, right? Just hold on to them because tomorrow's Christmas too, right? But especially in the beginning, people were so excited to get a new tree, decorate a new tree. They would just throw the other tree into the river, right? And then, you know. Well, who's to tell them what not to do? I mean, that's the Christmas spirit is a fresh tree every day, a chicken in every pot and two trees in every living room. Well, the dam, yeah, then it dammed though and that little Uh, river became like a lake. But I also say in a partridge in a pear tree. Oh, oh yes. yes, please. I'm just playing though. I'm just playing. Hey, I, I think we're uh, sitting here. We're, we're, we're like the three wise men, huh? Oh, absolutely. I, I kind of, I just wanted to get into my, um, my tree ritual though, because in, in that question of, of real trees versus fake trees, you know, I've kind of, I used to be like a real tree proponent a hundred percent, but the thing is I put a tree in every room of the house so it was getting to where I was stuffing like a six and a half foot tree into my guest bathroom and it was pretty much just a closet with a tree in it and you couldn't really use the toilet. So I've kind of had to compromise a little and now I put little fake trees maybe in the bathrooms. And well, you got a nice tall, uh, you got a friend, a, a nice tall friend staying with you. He's already complained about the hot pipes from the radiators and then he's got to bump into this big tree. I mean, it's not going to be, be too yeah, good. It's just you know? a little inconvenient to have so many trees in my house at once. Um, so I guess we all make sacrifices for the season, but I still get about four or five it Christmas trees. Looked like a forest, I'm sure. Looked like a Christmas forest. Oh, it was forest. magical. It was magical. Hey, can I ask you guys something? Yeah. Sure. You guys ever just open the windows and let the snow get in your house a little to get in that Christmas spirit? No, I can't say. I like to stick my tongue. I like to lean out the window and stick my tongue and go, ah, 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 ah. I don't like to do any of that just stuff. Just catch some of that my tongue. That stuff's weird, man. 
I like to eat snow. I don't do that either. It's it, it's honestly my favorite food. I eat like all the Christmas treats and desserts, but nothing beats eating the snow <laughs> in a winter wonderland. Well, here's the thing, you know, in Kringle Town, I hate to be a broken record about this, but we had to get a snow machine, right? We had to funnel all the water into the snow machine. And it From would Hollywood? Just, in just July, it would just melt. And then, you know, the kids at school would be like, why am I going to school on Christmas? So we stopped that. <laughs> but then then they didn't have any water to drink because we were turning it all into snow. So I just said, wait for it to melt. But apparently the snow machine put some type of plastic in it where it's not safe to uh, eat the snow. So a lot of people were getting oh, dear. sick. Oh, dear. See, that's why you shouldn't be eating the snow Kurt, in the first I kinda, place. I, kinda, I don't I, like any of these kind of rituals. My, my Christmas ritual whoa, is, simply, whoa, whoa. is simply to hear those sleigh bells a ring ting tingling. That's what I like to do on Christmas. Oh, I love listening for the sleigh bells. Don't get me wrong. Wait, Danny, are you telling me that you don't like to take your snow globe with a little miniature New York City inside there and shake it up and watch the magic, you know, follow? Well, sure. I mean, everyone loves to do that. But what I'm really more into is hearing those uh, rooftop j- <laughs> rooftop jingling, ting, ting, do, 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 do. Oh, the, uh, well, I mean, I, I will say that you're cr- you're kind of crazy about your jingle, bro, Rock. I'll walk by your office, you know, when I'm over there consulting with you guys for all your Christmas movies, and I bring my big book on Christmas with me. And I'll hear, I'll hear, I'll just be walking by your office, and any time of day I'll hear the dan in it dan in it you know that and he's always listening to jingle bell rock and and i i just gotta say you're like kind of a christmas rocker danny oh absolutely i mean i just like to fucking belt out the hits whoa 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 (laughs) danny (laughs) he really is a christmas rocker he's a christmas kind of a rebel hey we need to get him a red and green leather jacket if you took santa claus and mix with jim morrison you get danny elfman folks danny elfman jr that's my father's name that you said your father is named Danny Elfman Jr.? No, sorry. I'm Danny Elfman so, Jr. So, so Danny Elfman Sr. was a rocker? No, but he was a musician. But he didn't help me get my job. <laughs> Santa Claus rode a motorcycle. That was Danny Elfman's dad, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, wouldn't that be fun to see Santa Claus in a lo- on a motorcycle? Oh, he's little- like, oh, he's pulling all around. He's pulling his his big bag of toys around the world on a flying motorcycle. Get out of here! Yeah, maybe there's an elf in the sidecar. That uh, that that's where Rudolph. Well, no sits. way! No way! Maybe that's where Rudolph sits. Despite despite oh, that'd my be love, see. that'd of, be a nice. Uh, that'd be a good idea for a float for a parade. Yeah. Ooh. But you know, despite all my love for Christmas music, I think there is none greater Christmas sound than uh, up on the rooftop. Click, click, click. Here comes those reindeer of old St. Nick. <laughs> That's exactly how it goes. But it's the, it's the actual click, Kinda right click of the those song, famous actually. reindeer that I love to hear that sound more than any guitar or piano. Ooh. You should just, you know, start a band where you get a bunch of reindeer to stand on the roof. That's a good idea. Maybe we could, like, book some shows in clubs just bring like and have ever- nine reindeer on stage, give them some food. Well, on the roof, they'd have to be on the roof. Well, it might be easier to mic their feet up if they're on the stage, and we could just get them like click clacking on the stage a little. Hey, you're the rocker. Can, I'll leave. Can't imagine you. the the click of the 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 reindeer's hooves from a f- nice foley. Uh, I'm just I'm you know I'm just a, a small town mayor. I don't know those types of logistics. We had a bunch of reindeer in Crinkleton that I actually had you know flown in from from Norway, and, and we had these reindeer, and we were you know we we're gonna make a little farm for them for people to pet them, but you know with the problems that um, you know come from the river, and then you know, we had the erosion, the soil erosion problem. We mainly had to eat them. All. So, well, you ran out of gingerbread <laughs> houses that your people lived in. You all had to start had, eating your houses. Oh, did the reindeer eat the gingerbread well, houses, or no? Well, the citizens had to eat them. Well, we had the gingerbread house. It was only, it was only one house, right? And it was supposed to be a big tourist thing, but it turns out that you know, um, because of the water, all the pipes weren't able to you know get warm. So that was the only heated house that we had. Well, that attracted a lot of pests, um, 
And, you know, one thing led to another. The reindeer started eating the house. People started eating the reindeer. Um, I mean, it's a wasteland now. I mean, this so tour started taking pieces from the the gingerbread house from the get-go. Even when it was open, you had, you know, teenagers stealing a big gumdrop off it and taking, you know, videos with it and everything. Well, and it was a fully realized home that just happened to make be made out of gingerbread. It was I was going to live in there, but everyone just assumed it was a tourist thing. It was supposed to be my house. Like I had a gumdrop that actually was Wi-Fi. I had HDMI cables that were made out of licorice. Like it was a real house. Like I was gonna live there. You know? I had a king size bed. That wasn't even made out of candy. And they ate that. <laughs> I mean, gingerbread is environmentally friendly, too. It's actually more responsible for people to live in a gingerbread house than some disgusting, you know, fucking drywall and asbestos thing. Well, rocker, that rocker talk. <laughs> really? Oh, he's got sorry. that Jingle Bell rock talk. Sometimes when he's I think he's about got that leather jacket collar popped up. When I get into the Christmas spirit, I just get so excited that I say bad words. Ooh, I can yeah. imagine well, him on like the a uh, uh, Christmas episode of American Bandstand with a leather jacket and the pompadour, snapping his fingers and drinking a classic Coca Cola and just classic. And I'm just I'm literally Claus just snapping it. my hey, don't fingers. Don't you love those polar bears? And there's just nine fucking deer mm. just click clack clacking, all of them mic'd up. I met those polar bears. Oh, really? What's What's kind of crazy that people don't know is that Coca Cola has cloned them. The originals have been dead for decades. Oh, I figured that. You know, we tried getting a polar bear for Kringleton, right? This was before, you know, the snow machine ruined all the water and made it poison. And, you know, we cut down all the trees so the landscape was arid and, you know, nothing could grow there. Um, you know, this was before we ate the reindeer. All the all the bad stuff. We're like, we should get like a polar bear for the zoo. And uh, it turns out... You know, they're very ex expensive. We were actually talking to the Coca-Cola company, right? And they said the only payment they would take from us is 100,000 bottles of Coca-Cola, which I thought they would have. I thought they would have the Coca-Cola. Well, speaking of drinks, why don't we have something to warm up? Well, what's, what's your preference, fellas? Hot cocoa? Maybe a hot toddy? Ooh. Actually... Um, what's that in the back of the fridge? Douglas, there? would you mind handing me one of those Kringles classics? Ooh, see now we're Ooh, talking. Having some Kringles classics, huh? And oh, check out yes. this little check out this little cooler here. There's the no most ice. Christmas beer there is. There's no ice in it, just a little snow. <laughs> Ooh, oh, keep it cool. Now <laughs> enjoy. Truly, this is the time of year when we put down the Princess Swish and we pick up the Kringles classic. Oh, look at Stanley's eyes light up out there. I bet he'd like <laughs> I bet like he'd like one of these. About to close the curtains on him. <laughs> oh, he'll just move to a different window. That's what I told him to do. Oh, oh, don't let him touch those windows. Jack room. Frost blew on those windows himself. He'll ruin the value of them. Well, he's going to be out there. Uh, right now, he's out there uh, nipping it at, at the Christmas nephew's nose. Well, I hope he doesn't. I hope Jack Frost doesn't catch him against those windows because that old snowman is going to kill him if he, oh. if he sees him. Um, anyway, uh, why don't we? Uh, I mean, do we want to get down to it or do we have any, any other uh, commentations about the season right now and our favorite parts of it or any any debates to be had? Why don't we get straight to it then, huh? I think we Let's should. Let's tell some Christmas stories. This is, Does that sound fun? This is always my favorite I part. I think that Christmas is probably the most classic form of oral tradition. Everything that we know about Christmas has been passed down from generation to generation. In other countries, you have different um, you know, traditions and folklore and myths. In Scandinavia, they have the dreaded Krampus, which has become a kind of cool meme online. And... Um, you have other stuff where some places they call them uh, Old St. Nick or Chris Kringle or, you know, a bunch of other stuff. And they, they call them names in other languages. I don't understand. That's crazy. Well, Pete, uh, since you brought up the topic, will you do us the honor? I think you're one of the best Christmas storytellers I've ever heard. Well, why don't I start out with um, some... I have a story. I, I got a lot of passages and kind of uh, 
just little things from my big book of Christmas. So why don't I start out with this one? This is a classic. I like to read it to kids. When I go to the Christmas schools, this is one that they all eat up. This is called The Grandfather Clock. Ooh. <clears throat> Tonight at midnight, the great big grandfather clock will ring true in the hall. Dong, dong, dong. It will loudly sound with the big brass arm thing that swings back and forth. Scurry, scurry, scurry will go the mice in the walls. And whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. The snowy wind will shake all the houses. And yes, we will know it is truly Christmas, not just the eve. Yes, it will be Christmas Day, and the children will hardly be able to stay in bed. But if they don't, Santa will not come. Listen out the windows, all covered with crystals. Do you hear the sleigh bells or the sliding of ice skates by young lovers making figure eights on the lakes? Twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. Do you see the North Star? Yes. You can be sure it is Christmas now due to the brightness of it. With frankincense, myrrh, and everyone's favorite, that gleaming gold, we will know the Lord has been born in a manger by Mary and St. Joe himself. Can you hear their donkey? Yes, it is Christmas Day. And when you hear Santa come down your chimney chute, be sure to listen for his laughter. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, he declares, while eating snickerdoodles washed down with a cold glass of milk. So shut your eyes tight, because after tonight, you will find the greatest delight under the Christmas tree. Oh my god. Wow, kind of a cliffhanger wonder, there. Ooh. I wonder what the delight under the tree is. I hope it's a present. <laughs> I hope so. I would assume it's a present. Oh, yes, wonderful. Oh. Uh, well, one of you please. Yeah, Douglas, maybe we could hear a story from you. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. This is one of my favorite stories to tell. I I I tell it to my own grandchildren, you know. Uh I thought you were like 39. Year. No, I'm a, I'm a I'm a classic type of mayor. Like if you think of like a like what he a just mayor, looks very young. Like if you if you would say to someone that you know there's this Christmas mayor I know, they would pop up an image in their head of what a well, Christmas. Honestly, mayor I would, would think be. it looked like Santa, but then you said you didn't have the Santa facial hair, so then I suddenly no, I imagined you're about forty years younger than I originally imagined, even though you're no. standing right in front of me and I can see what yeah. you look like. I, all I told you is I don't have Santa-like facial hair. <laughs> I told you that I have a fancy mustache that curls. Well, you have to understand, I, I write I write Christmas movies year round, and I don't do much else and i'm usually in my office so i imagine that everyone over 50 looks like santa like women too uh, no i i am an i'm a 60 year old man but my hair is not white it is still you know i use some just for men i i will admit but i'm not you know i'm not a, a young man by any means um you know i was mayor for four years it it, it, it did have quite a drain on me especially when i had a you know, I made everyone have bigger chimneys and they had to do all the construction on their homes and everyone was homeless for a period of time as we, it, it was not safe to live in these houses. Um, you, you, let me get to my um, Christmas story here. Yeah, that would be delightful. This is the story of the Christmas basketball. There was once a young boy who loved basketball. His mother and father sat him down before the holidays, and they asked him, Son, you can have absolutely anything you want this Christmas. You've been a good little boy, and Santa told us he's going to get you a good present. Because you love doing your chores. You love being nice. You love being respectful. You always brush your teeth, and you always go to bed on time. The boy immediately brightened up and he did not hesitate to speak mother father it pleases me to hear that i have been a good boy it is true that i do love my chores it is true that i love being nice and that i love being respectful it is true that i brush my teeth every night without reminder and i go to bed early and often so that i can grow up to be big and strong but above all else i must admit there is something that i love more 
I love shooting the basketball, the orange pigskin, the rock, the dome, whatever you want to call it, mother and father. I make music with that thing. I got the ball on the string, and I weave up and down the court, slashing through defenders and scoring the ball with ease. My Christmas wish is to have a basketball of mine very own. The boy's father was stunned. Basketball? My dear boy, Santa has said that you can have anything you want. Anything. Money, jewels, luxury automobiles. Are you positive that your wish be for nothing more than a humble basketball? Yes, father. I'm afraid so. That is my wish. Well, that's very well, then. You get a basketball, said the boy's mother. And on Christmas Day, the boy was very, very excited. He woke up bright and early and ran into his parents' bedroom. He jostled them awake, yelling, It's Christmas! It's Christmas! And everyone smiled and hugged as they ran towards the Christmas tree, waiting to see what Santa had gotten them. As everyone opened their gifts, the boy's mother handed him a spherical-shaped present. The boy smiled, and inside was the most beautiful basketball he had ever seen. Pristine leather, alternating red and green design. The boy received his Christmas basketball, and he was ecstatic. In his pajamas, he sprinted outside. His father chased him with his shoes and socks to put on as he raced towards the basketball hoop that was attached to the garage. He hurried to put his shoes on, and he gathered himself, got into a shooting stance, and drained basket after basket. The boy hit over 100 shots in a row as his parents watched in stunned silence. Son, you can't miss with that thing, huh? Guess so, Mom. Must be a magic basketball. A magic basketball, Dad said. (laughs) A magic basketball, said the man next door in his sleeping cap, leaning his head out of the window. A magic basketball, said another nosy neighbor. A magic basketball, said the paper boy, the paper boy that delivered the famous Christmas paper. Look at the paper here, the father said to the boy. It looks like the Los Angeles Lakers are having tryouts on today, Christmas Day. I tell you what, son, you should try out. You think so? Will they let me try out with my own basketball that I bring from home? I don't see why not. Let's go into the garage and paint it orange. Well, what if I make the team? Then will I have to play games with a different ball? Like, I don't think they just let players travel with a single basketball that only they use for the rest of their career. (laughs) Shut up and get in the car, son. Did you know that little boy's name? Ladies and gentlemen, that boy's name was Kobe Bryant. Wow. He painted that red and green basketball orange, and he played in the NBA for years. It kind of was complicated to make sure he only used that basketball his whole career, but he got it done and never missed a single basket. Sure, he may have done some stuff that's, well, ill repute. But we're not going to talk about that now because he died. The end. Wow. I like uh, the way that he was a wizard with the rock. And I also like the way that that story played fast and loose with child labor laws where he just got a job playing basketball. Mm-hmm. But was Kobe kind of like that this, 11 that in his first place. season? I don't remember that. This all must have taken place in Italy, too. Well, if you look it up. It checks out. Huh. You know, I'm a pretty good fact checker uh, Checker with uh, with my writing deals. And um, Well, I don't know if we have to. Why don't we go on to another Danny, story? why don't you read a story for yeah, us? Yeah, you know what? I was hoping you guys would ask me. This is one I've been working Did on. Did you truly believe that we wouldn't ask you to tell a story on this Christmas? Well, it's not. Is it Christmas Day? What day? It's, it's the Christmas season. It's well, the Christmas it's season. The Christmas Let's season. pretend we're in your Christmas town and it's Christmas every day. Kringleton? Yeah, let's pretend this is Kringleton just for today. Fellas, that's a. I can't well, no. be. Nowadays, Kringleton's a wasteland. <laughs> okay, well, let's. Uh, let's just use the right, Kringleton well, calendar, but we're not there. Not a soul in sight. <laughs> I explained the poison. Never mind. Danny, what you read my story? Yes, please. All right. This one is called The Green Christmas Tree of 49th Avenue of Manhattan. 
Over there on 49th Avenue, way, way on the west side of Manhattan, where nary a green tree can be found, is where this story takes place. There was a boy living there named Timothy Christmas Boy, who dearly loved Christmas. (laughs) However, he lived on a festering shit island of trash and smog. It was a place so shitty that many of its denizens did not even care about having fun on Christmas Day. It was a place where Wall Street traders would actually ask for coal for Christmas because the coal index was outperforming the toy index on the local Wall Street stock market. That's how fucked up this place was. (laughs) But to little Timothy Christmas boy, Manhattan could still be a place of wonder. But the problem was his family was without a green Christmas tree on the eve of Christmas. Oh, how I long for a Christmas tree, said he. Then his mother said, well, come now. There are many, many presents in the living room with your name on them. We got you basically everything you wanted. Spoiler alert. Your dad has been working hard on Wall Street every day in order to buy you these presents. Actually, I changed my mind. I have been working hard on Wall Street every day. I bet you expected the dad to be the high-powered Wall Street trader. But actually, it is I, the mom, and you're sexist, said the mom both to the reader and to her son. (laughs) I appreciate that, mom, said little Timothy Christmas boy. But I need to see a classic green tree in order to feel like it is the holiday season. I want a green Christmas tree as green as the greenest Christmas Grinch. But you know, in this... Sorry. The mom said, But you know, everything in this city is smoggy and brown and disgusting. There's no place we can find such a tree on such short notice. The little boy was so sad, but he was not ready to give up. He went outside and found some cigarette butts on the ground, like a hundred of them. And luckily, there was a guy who was recently painting the front door of their apartment building, and he left the paint there, and the paint was a nice Christmas tree green. So Timothy Christmas Boy took the paint and the cigarette butts and told the doorman to let him ride on his back up 12 flights of stairs up to his apartment instead of just taking the elevator. And so the doorman had to climb up the stairs, so many of them, on all fours like he was a lowly Christmas reindeer, getting kicked in the sides by little Timothy Christmas Boy as he demanded the doorman go faster. When he got back to his apartment, the boy put some cigarette butts together as the trunk of his tree, using some glue to stick them together. Then he put a bunch of cigarette butts on there like branches. And then he just dumped the green paint bucket over the top in a mess of goop that drenched the fetid butts. Then his mom walked into the room. Damn, this shit is sad as fuck, she said. Like, I can't believe this shit right now. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'm going to call you a delivery man and I'm going to force him to work on Christmas Eve and make him drive all the way out to New Jersey to find the greenest Christmas tree and then force him to drive all the way back over here in all the traffic and all the snow and make him set up the tree in our living room. And then I'm going to yell at him while he's doing it and then give him no tip. And I'm, then I'm going to be mean to him even more. Will that make you happy? Yes, mom, said Timothy Christmas boy. And then his mom did all the stuff she said she was going to do, and truly Christmas was saved. The end. My goodness. You know what my favorite thing about that story was? What? It takes place during Christmas time. (laughs) Just my favorite season of the mall. That is a good observation. I'm glad you noticed that. I think it tells a great message to children during Christmas time. That if you want the greenest of green Christmas trees and you don't have one, you can use your brain and your imagination, put them together, and hey, I mean, you could be the next Charlie Brown. Every child dreams of being the next Charlie Brown, uh, proverbially for Christmas. Well, I want to read something. This whole podcast is sponsored by Hot Cocoa, so I prepared (laughs) something... From my book, it's a passage called The Most Perfect Cup of Hot Cocoa. Can I please clarify first for the listeners that hot cocoa is a trademark of the Hallmark Channel? That's true. Thank you for clarifying. Would you like me to read it? Yes, absolutely. No other drink says wintertime wonder like a cup of piping hot cocoa. 
We all know very well that that first sip of the chocolate splendor with the froth on your lips and the little marshmallows floating about like little otters in a river. The delicious dessert that's loved by all can only be perfected with the right recipe. First, you must have a mug. Preferably your favorite one. Mine has Santa Claus on it and the handle is a candy cane. Next, you must put in the chocolate cocoa mix in some boiled creamy milk and marshmallows. Use a spoon to stir it and drink it all as quickly as you can. Don't let it get cold. Mom and dad might enjoy a snort of peppermint schnapps in there to cozy up on those cold winter nights when the kids are asleep waiting for Santa Claus, of course. That's when they can really give each other the present they both want. This hot cocoa would be perfect to take to the parade or to warm up after a snowball fight or even, well, sure, while opening your presents. Hot cocoa. Wow, that was a, a very nice advertorial. Well, it's a, I mean, it's kind of a passage. It wasn't really an ad. Oh, well, well you know, my favorite thing about it is that hot cocoa is just perfect to drink during Christmas time. Exactly. And what's See? the perfect thing to watch See? on the television Doug, while you enjoy? Doug gets it. Well, what's the perfect thing to watch on the television while you enjoy your hot cocoa? Oh, that would be the Christmas Day Parade, of course. On Macy's the Hallmark Channel also sponsors. No, Macy's. Hallmark. We don't show that. We don't show that one. The Macy's one. In uh, in Kringleton, we actually hired a method actor, um, you know, to portray Santa Claus year round. And he went a little bit insane and started thinking he was the real Santa Claus and, and started to try building PlayStation 5s in his uh, cabin that we built for him. <laughs> but they were mostly made out of wood, and there was only like two games for it. So we panned the idea. Well, I hope they were good games. It was a Tony Hawk's port. It wasn't even there the was, real one. There was Christmas Racers. That was a great one. Well, Christmas racers, you had to have the plugins, which were just little stock wood cars that we had provided. For him. why don't I read a story? Yes, um, why not? You know your story, um, Danny. Sort of reminded me of this one. Uh, this is a Christmas story. It's a real moral. It's a real thinker. Called "What Do You Get the Man Who Has Everything?" Oh, we all ask each other that question this time of year We're going, hey i know this guy my good buddy i got him in a secret santa at work uh the guy is a ceo executive this guy has everything you could possibly want he's got the cars he's got the trim he's well, got why the don't pussy I read my story he's got the house you, why don't i read my story before you accidentally step on my jokes <laughs> jared beerwater had it all a supermodel girlfriend with a 90 IQ, a hot job, <laughs> a hot shot job at a Fortune 500 company, Just what I said. and a posh penthouse apartment in the widest neighborhood in New York <laughs> City, as long as you don't count the Orthodox. This was a man who wanted for nothing. He ate the most expensive cuts of meat of the rarest birds in the world. There was just one problem. No one ever got him good presents because they were stuff that he already owned. <laughs> Every Christmas, Jared Beerwater sulked. He sulked because the presents were boring. It was cold, and on Christmas, the bank was closed so Jared couldn't visit all of his money in the vault. <laughs> this happened every year at the Beerwater family Christmas, and little Susie Beerwater would always have a front row seat. She watched her uncle whine, pout and look at pictures of little bags of cocaine on his phone to try to cheer himself up. She had had enough. Susie decided to spend all year trying to get the perfect Christmas gift for her uncle. She was determined to make it a Christmas that her uncle Jared Beerwater remembered forever. So on January 21st or on January 1st, Susie sat down with a paper and pencil and began to make a list. She spoke out loud. Vitamins, she said. No, her father told her. Jared replaced all of his organs nearly every year at a farm in Brunei that was co-owned by Raytheon and Blackwater. 
a macaroni picture, she said. No, her father said. Jared just bought a macaroni drawing made by Marina Abramovich <laughs> that she had peed on. And it would still smell a little like the pee if you put the drawing in direct sunlight. Hmm. Susie turned to her father and said, what about a... And her father immediately interrupted her. Whatever you're going to say, Susie, he's got it. He recently purchased the comedy writing rule of threes from Second City. He's four steps ahead of you. This is going to be harder than I thought, Susie said. Yeah, plus you're a kid and you don't have any money. Yeah, that too. Hope I just don't get bored and give up, she said. The year passed and nothing important happened the whole time. Soon it was Christmas Day. Susie sat wide-eyed and beaming as her Uncle Jared Beerwater, sullen and depressed, lazily opened her gift to him. I hope you like it, Susie said. I probably already have it, Susie. It's fine. Wait, is it an abstract concept, Jared asked. What? Susie said, taken aback. Is it an abstract concept, like an item meant to represent something non-concrete, something you can't hold in your hand? Well, yeah, like three years ago, Helen gave me a single ornament and said it represented family. Christine once put a small mirror in a box and gave it to me and said that she had gotten me awareness. What'd you do? Did you get me a box with nothing in it and then you're going to say it's because I already have everything so you got me nothing? Yeah, Susie said. Ah, sorry, Susie. Somebody already got me that. Or didn't get me that. But listen here. I really am appreciative. It isn't about the gifts. It really isn't. I just want to tell you that I love you, and it was a very thoughtful gift, and I'm glad you got me a gift instead of giving to charity or something. This is the best Christmas ever, Susie screamed, hugging her Uncle Jared. Yeah, okay. Yep. All right, said Jared. The end. Wow. Wow. It must be it really so cool to be like, as rich as that guy. Well, that's not what I took from I took the, I, I mean, I think the characters uh, found the true meaning of Christmas. Well. It's just about giving gifts to each other. You know, it's about giving gifts. It's about a hot cocoa. It's about Santa Claus on his reindeer sleigh. These are what make Christmas great. Not present make a Christmas great. It's about It's a Wonderful Life. It's about Miracle on 34th Street. It's about the 24-hour Christmas Story Marathon. The Sexy Leg Lamp. That's classic stuff, folks. It's about watching your Christmas nephew through a window as he pretends to be a vagrant, <laughs> steadily growing colder and colder as the hour progresses. And he has a where his dark fake... His fake begging of help legitimately turns to actually asking to be let inside. And no matter how many times you jiggle the doorknob, Stanley, I'm not getting up till I'm done, okay? And Jack, I Jack just Frost is out there watching over him. He's going to be fine. I just realized he's still wearing his chimney sweep uniform that he had to wear when he lived in your town. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He's yeah, definitely out of a job now. <laughs> Well, the ch it was the easiest job a chimney sweep ever had because those chimneys were so big, you know, because we made everyone move out of their houses. Well, in December. Danny, you got another you got another one for us, right? Yes, I actually have a story about when Christmas isn't Christmas at all. <clears throat> oh no. This one is called The Year Christmas Was Canceled. You mean like Christmas Eve? No. Just no Christmas. Well, now I'm sad. But lean in. I'm Hear me tell tale of this classic tale. Well, <laughs> it's, it started great. <laughs> Douglas, why don't we kind of come closer under this big blanket and kind of clutch our hot toddies here? Yes. All I ask is that you hear me tell tale of the Christmas of the future. This is called The Year Christmas Was Canceled. Well, it's Christmas again, but this time things are different. Maybe it's not this Christmas, and maybe it's not even next Christmas. But this is a Christmas soon and near. This is a Christmas you will live to see. All the Christmas elves have tirelessly worked throughout the year to make all the stuff they like to make for us without compensation. However, this year there's a problem. The unspeakable has happened, and Christmas is finally canceled for good. 
The institution of Christmas has survived three wars against it, multiple pandemics, and seven grinchings. However, following the United States' abolition of minimum wage laws, there's no longer a niche for exploiting cheap elf, cheap elf labor. No longer a niche for exploiting cheap elf labor. One too many Chris Kringle's classics. Oh, maybe one not enough. Pass another one this way. Here we go. That is true. One not enough. <laughs> Pass another one this way. Pass it this way. Even though the presents have been made, it is simply no longer cost-effective to bother delivering them. And so the merry little elves were ordered to smash mountains and mountains of PS5s or whatever PlayStation was the newest one at this point in the future. All the fluffy puppy dog plush toys they had slaved over this year were taken out back behind the elven workshop and blasted in the head with a shotgun. All the ice that was meant for their Christmas cocktails was given back to the polar bears, who then froze to death. They say the North Pole is the happiest place on Earth. That's because Disneyland and World burned down the previous summer. But now, even the North Pole is not so happy or nice anymore. The elves never really had jobs in the sense that they were never paid for their labor, which they were fine with. But now on top of all that, they had become bored. They just sat around twiddling their thumbs all day. Some of the elves would put their hands in their pockets and rock back and forth. Some would tap their toe impatiently and look at you like Sonic the Hedgehog if you don't click any buttons for a while. One elf became an alcoholic, but the rest just did stuff like what I was saying before. And actually, it worked out for the alcoholic elf because he got a book deal about his journey to recovery and he managed to escape the North Pole. It sucked for all the other elves, though, who never did shit and never had any dreams, and really it was a miserable existence from then on, and Santa wasn't even really friends with them, so they didn't even get to, like, chill and hear his cool stories, and they were simply just bored always. And not to mention all the nice Christian boys and girls around the world who never got another present again, ever, and then that made them bitter, and they all grew up to be pill poppers. And so, it turns out, one lesson that was learned... And so it turns out, one lesson was learned on that dreary Christmas day, which never was. It turns out that Christmas never was in our hearts. It was in the stuff. And now all the stuff is gone. And well, there's not much left to do about it. Also, eventually all the elves died when a nuclear bomb got (laughs) dropped on them. It's because there was another world war because people didn't get enough presents anymore. The end. Wow, that's almost scary. That's scary. That reminds me of the Muppet Christmas Carol, the ghost of future past. That Does he was drop just a like nuclear the bomb Reaper. on the elves? Well, no, he's a scary Nazgul, kind of from Lord of the Rings. and he. Uh, oh, very scary. He is very mean to Kermit, I think. Um, wow, now I'm bummed out. I hope that well, doesn't happen. Takes, you said it's going to happen, It takes place though. in the future. I mean, I'm certain that it's going to happen eventually, but hopefully we all die before it happens so we don't have to deal with it. Hopefully. I really hope we all die before it happens. Of natural causes. Of course, of course. I mean, you're pretty old. Well, yeah. I mean, not like, you know, I probably got like 15, 10 years. I don't want to quantify how much time I have left, really. But your nephew might have to live to see this happen, you know? Well, yeah, well. He clearly doesn't care about him. <laughs> well, I have another, I have one final story All from right, my big let, book of Christmas. This is one of my favorites. This is called The Most Truly Wonderful Christmas Gift. Once upon a time in a wholesome town known as Berrywood, it was the best season of the year. Christmas time. It was only 12 days until Christmas, and the biggest loser in town, a boy named Jiminy, wrote a letter to Santa Claus every day. Jiminy was whitewashed by the bullies, the Scrooge boys, every single day, all because he loved Christmas the most. School's hard for Jiminy because he wanted to make sure every classroom had decorations for Christmas. One day, Jiminy collected heaps of holly in the forest to turn his history classroom truly into Tinseltown. However, on his way to school, he got nailed square in the face with a snowball solid as a rock. It wasn't even a snowball, actually. It was an ice ball, and it smoked him pretty good. 
Well, 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 looky what we got here, fellas. Santa's little helper himself. It was Norman Rockwell Jr. Jr., the leader of the Scrooge Boys and his two sidekicks, Spruce and Hemlock. What do you th- where do you think you're going, Tiny Tim? I'm going to school, Jiminy said, bleeding profusely from his presumably broken nose and spitting out blood through his stained teeth. Not if we have anything to say about it. Spruce grabbed all of the holly from Jiminy's arms and threw it into the snow. Before he knew it, all three Scrooge boys had their Rodneys out and were peeing steaming streams all over the holly. I wonder if this will attract some lady reindeer. <laughs> Snickered Hemlock. Shut up, dickhead, replied Spruce, <laughs> grabbing a clump of yellow snow and blasting Hemlock square in the face with it. You're a dead little rat, screamed Hemlock as he tackled Spruce into the snow. The two began to wrestle and curse one another. Jiminy thought he'd use this opportunity to get away, but Norman grabbed his snowsuit by the hood. Not so fast, little elf. I need you to do something for me. I'm not doing jack for you, Norman. I have to get to school. That's the plan, numbnuts, Norman said. Tonight's the big Christmas pageant at school. Everyone is going to be there. You know I hate Christmas, and I'd like to see the whole deal up in the smoke. And I need you to make that happen. What are you going to do, Norman? Asked Jiminy. You're going to go in disguise as baby Jesus in the manger. And you're going to smuggle in these stink grenades. Right at the big finale, we set them off. All the girls scream, the parents all start puking, and Christmas will be ruined. I won't do it, cried Jiminy. You will do it because I said so. I don't think so. At this moment, Jiminy reached into his snowsuit and withdrew a gun. A forty-five <laughs> Magnum. It was my dad's. My mom gave it to me as an early gift this year. Norman's face became as white as his eyes. Wide and frozen as the December air. Jiminy, you don't even know how to use that shit. Come on, I'll I'll show you. We could go shoot squirrels. Just just let me see it. Come on, come on, we're just just messing around. At this point, Spruce and Hemlock were on the ground in the snow, staring in terror at Jiminy pointing the gun at Norman Rockwell Jr. Jr., Hemlock managed to spurt out. Hey, hey, come on, Jiminy. You heard him. That's not a toy made at the North Pole. You're just a little kid. You don't even have armpit hair. Stop messing with him. Jiminy looked to the ground. The gun's still raised. I'm not having you ruin Christmas again. I've worked too hard for this. I've worked too hard this year. (laughs) His eyes met Norma's once more. No more Scrooges. The bullet passed through Norman's neck, obliterating his trachea. (laughs) It sailed straight into Spruce's shoulder. (laughs) The kick from the Magnum surprised him and he caused him to stagger. Upon seeing this, Hemlock thought he'd get out of Dodge. But Jiminy had already recovered when Hemlock had made it but 10 feet and Jiminy rang out another shot into his back. Jiminy wiped the tears from his ruddy eyes, collect the heap of piss-covered holly, and headed in direction of his school. (laughs) A single cardinal watched the scene as Jiminy walked away, and the winter sun gave no warmth to the three Scrooge boys (laughs) as they laid motionless in the snow. (laughs) Well, I'm glad those Scrooge boys got what they deserved. I'm glad try to mess with Christmas. Yeah, some fucked up shit of them to do <laughs> to try to mess with Christmas. Oh, whoa, whoa, the rocker talk. Come on. Oh, I'm just well, saying. Well, you know what? <laughs> Christmas is the most wonderful time of year, and if young people appreciated that more, if more young people were like the boy in your story, then the world would be a better place. Um, 100% agree. Yeah, no argument here. 
you know, sometimes if you if you want to have a real Christmas tree, you got to clean up the needles, if you know what I mean. Well said. Very well put. I have uh, one more story I'd like to share with you all because we let's uh, close it out finish, on that one. Yeah, let's finish our hot cocoa and our winter jaunty winter drinks. Oh sure. This story is uh, it's a little bit different. Um, this one is more about how tr- a tradition got started. This is called Mistletoe Man. And it takes place a long, long time ago in Victorian-era England. There was a man with very wet lips named Simon Nasty. He was a very horny man, and he was also English, which meant he said, oh my, all of the time. And he liked to look at women and imagine gusts of wind blowing up their ugly plaid skirts in order to see some of their gigantic underwear. Simon enjoyed the ladies. He enjoyed perving out. But most of all, he liked having sex. (laughs) He went nuts for the stuff. He was constantly thinking about it. And when he thought about it, it meaning sex, he would absentmindedly start thrusting in place wherever he was standing. For legal reasons, I must clarify that Simon Nasty is not Jack the Ripper. We do not know who Jack the Ripper is, but it can be confirmed that it wasn't Simon Nasty, because all of the prostitutes in England at the time knew to never get in Simon Nasty's car, which was always humid and had little <laughs> cheetah print on the seats. Get a car. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Victoria it was England, England, you know, it was a different time and place. That's they just were, how it was. Yeah. Simon Nasty always got bummed around Christmas. And not bum in the British sense, bum in the American sense. One Christmas, when Santa was sliding down the chimney into Simon Nasty's studio apartment, Santa found Simon standing on a chair with a noose around his neck. Simon! Santa screamed. Why? I hate Christmas, Simon screamed. Everyone's always talking about family, merriment, eating a lot of food, and all that makes people stop thinking about sex. (laughs) I hate it. That doesn't mean you have to kill yourself, Santa said. Kill my... Oh, oh, no, I'm doing something else, but I can see why you think that. (laughs) Later, when Santa returned to the North Pole, he was sad. His elves tried to cheer him up, but it was to no avail. Santa was sitting in his workshop one day when he came up with a great idea to help a guy like Simon Nasty. I got it, Santa screamed. I'll make it so that mistletoe makes people kiss. Like they have to kiss if they're caught under it or somebody points it out. That way, it's a little bit sexy, but it's also wholesome, right? The kids won't know any better. It's a little, I don't know, he told the elves, druidic, but I think it'll work. I think this could really make the holidays better for guys like Simon Nasty. Also, I'm going to make it so that everyone drinks a lot of alcohol from now on. Santa unveiled his invention to the world at Christmas Con, and everyone loved it. And so... Ready to, see Santa, uh, ready to see Simon the next year. The following Christmas Day, Santa shot down Simon Nasty's chimney, beaming and proud, waiting to see the change in Simon's mood. Si- Santa immediately saw Simon Nasty standing on a chair with a noose around his neck. Simon, no! Santa, great news! This has been the greatest Christmas ever! Well, then why are you about to commit suicide? Wrong, Simon said. I'm doing the other thing, smiling. Oh, I take it the mistletoe worked well for you this year, Santa said. Santa, I basically busted 24-7. One of my nuts fell off. I have to take salt tablets because I'm coming so much that my body can't sweat anymore. The doctor thought I was going to die. I fingered so much that my middle finger grew a little cartoon bicep. And even better news, I'm the first guy to find the clit. Well, okay, Santa said. Maybe that's a little... Also, Santa, I have a gift for you. Unless you are allergic to having HPV. Okay, stop the story. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was reading... Stop. This is disgusting. <laughs> I don't know who handed me this. This is not fit to be read on air. I'd like to apologize to that's everyone. Okay. Wait, the, these aren't your stories? The rest of the, this goes on for... 
There's much, much worse in my book um, if people read it. Uh, well, uh, Stanley, the Christmas nephew, he provided. These he are said, stories that are passed down from generation to generation, as we spoke of. But, um, I mean, I have a very special surprise for you gentlemen prepared tonight. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. We are going to be going on a sleigh ride. Oh, my. Through the town to look at the Christmas lights. Oh, wow. And sitting, sitting Right up front to give us a little treat is Brian Setzer himself. Oh. Brian Setzer is going to play us some Christmas songs while we watch the Christmas lights. Make sure to bring your hot cocoa. Well, I'm going to oh, I'm going to bring my Christmas beer hat with little reindeer horns on it. I'm going to grab two cans of Kringle Classic High Gravity to put in there, and then I'm going to be ready. Wait, who is that there? Who's that? I can see the the sleigh out front. Who's I think it's, Who's driving that? I think it's Brian Setzer. Is that? No. Brian Setzer? No, he's next to him. There's two people there. Is that Regis Philbin? Is oh. he going to sing his entire the entirety of his Christmas oh album God. to us? Wait. Santa, the en- Santa read your letter. The, the entirety of his Christmas album plus the skits? <laughs> this wow, is I too can't much. believe that Brian Setzer and Regis Philbin. And wait, there's a third guy there. Look at that big jolly beard he has. Who who is that? Look, he's so fat and wearing red and and the classic Santa outfit. Dan, Dan, I I I know you know who I know it is. Why don't you tell me who that is? I know is you for the know audience? that I know what you know, but obviously I think it's that's, safe to say it's Santa Claus himself. Is Rick Rube? Oh, it's Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Oh, and Rick Rubin is next to him. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Rubin, this is gonna be a crowd of slate. Let's get out of here, guys. <laughs> All right. Listen, All folks, we'd listening. love to stay, but clearly we gotta attend to this right now. You do the same. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to the show. Get those sleigh bells ring and those deer hoofs click clack clicking. Click clack clicking. Merry Christmas, everyone. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him.